This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And my name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing the season three finale of the AMC series titled The Light Above. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through season three episode 10, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You already know where to find us, but I'll just say g2tpodcast.com has links to our Twitter and our Facebook and our email and all that good stuff. Please go check that out. The letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-P-O-D-N-E-T. And pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K and Gojo who have pledged at the level of ten plus dollars per month. Ten plus. Yes. Thank you guys. Speaking of the Midwest Podcast Network, uh this is the finale of season three of Preacher, and we will have some type of uh wrap up show out in the next week or two. Uh it's it's highly likely that we will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll wrap up season two while we're at it. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, should we just put out like a season two wrap up like two years later? But, uh, yeah, so we are planning on doing a season three wrap-up. We'll figure out exactly when that might happen. Uh, probably a little after Labor Day would be my guess. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, there are many other shows that we offer here on the Midwest Podcast Network. You may have heard about some of them. The Midwest Game Nerds Podcast covers video games. We've recently been talking about a little indie game called Dead Cells that's kind of taken over our lives, but (laughs) we are just on the brink of Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4 coming out. There's a uh, DLC pack for Destiny that is dropping in the next week or two. Sure. Uh, You've got, you know, all your big games are coming out in the next couple months here, so we are ready to get slammed with good new releases to talk about over at the midwest game nerds podcast so check that out at midwestgamenerds.com we also have a show about westworld uh i don't know if everybody has caught it yet or maybe you were waiting until all the season was out before you could go check it out we do have a show called westworld fm that's at westworld.fm we recap every episode just like we do with preacher things are a little different over there because the show's structured differently without any commercials so go check yeah. that out too uh, I brought up last week or two weeks ago that The Alienist will be getting a sequel series uh, earlier this year. <laughs> we did The Alienist recap about the 10 episodes. I think it was 10. I think it was. 10 episodes of FX's The Alienist adapted from a book by a man named Caleb Carr, one of Nick's uh, great literary uh, loves. Caleb Carr? Caleb Carr or <laughs> The Alienist. Yeah, both books in the series. Yeah, yeah. sure. So uh, the Alienist verse. Yes. So we we talked about that. We it, it was supposed to be a limited series, but FX came out a week or two ago, and we're like, hey, guess what? You wanted it. Here it is. We're gonna do the Angel of Death, Darkness, Angel of Darkness. Excuse me, not Sydney from Preacher, but no. the Angel of Darkness. So, uh, yeah, that's gonna be coming out at some point in the future. There's not a whole lot of information out there. We will likely be coming back to recap season two, hopefully, yeah, at some point. We kinda have to. Yeah, I think so. I think it's our, our it is predestined, predetermined for us. But go catch up on season one first. Uh check that out at the alienist TV. 
and then, of course, our friends over at Horror Movie Your Book talk about horror movies and try to contextualize them in the year that they come out in. Uh, that's kind of what a normal episode is like. They talk about things anywhere from the Mark Wahlberg hit Fear all the way to things mm-hmm. that are coming out this year in terms of uh, stuff like It and Get Out and all that, all those good horror movies that have been out uh, over the past, I think they've gone as far back as the 50s. I think they've been 50s. in the 50s, yeah. Yeah. So last week we did a commentary episode of uh, Dead Alive, one of Peter Jackson's early films. Mm-hmm. You may know him from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit or The Frighteners and King Kong and The Lovely Bones. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. It's cool. It's a nice little commentary. You should check it out. I was on it because they need my technical expertise to record a commentary Uh. in a way that makes sense. Uh, But, yeah, so all that is out there. That's at horrormovieyearbook.com. But, of course, you can go to midwestpodcastnetwork.com, check out all of our shows. And uh, feel free to go follow Midwest Pod or MidPodNet on Twitter, M-I-D-P-O-D-N-E-T on Twitter. P-O-D? Yes. The band POD. No, uh, that is the Twitter account for the network. And of course, if there's anything new coming out, we'll talk about it on there. So there's also a Midwest Podcast Network Facebook where we will also be talking about new things that we might do. But anyway, enough of a commercial for our podcast network. It's time we get down. Now for a word from our sponsor. <laughs> yes. Uh, quick. quick uh, hey, I have a question, Alex. Yeah. Nick? How much money do you have to pledge to be able to participate in our discord so if you want to talk to us in our discord have us at your fingertips at any moment of the day you can at me and i will immediately respond to you uh that's actually pretty true you have to pledge as little as five dollars a month only five on our patreon and it's a great place to not only come and talk to people that listen to the shows that you listen to but also talk with them about TV they're watching or comics that they're reading or video games that they're playing or movies they want to see, all that good stuff. There's a pretty healthy community of people in there, but we're always looking to grow it. I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking, you know, obviously, by all means, pledge $10 or more, but yes. at least do five because, I mean, that's a cup of coffee. It's really. a cup of coffee. That's one less cup of coffee or five Slurpees if you're Alex. <laughs> and you get to participate in this wonderful forum of like-minded people and golden-voiced hosts mm-hmm. whose voice you can't take advantage of in the Discord, but you can read our texts in our voice, and I think they kind of translate the same <laughs> way. But I think it's awesome. And we, you know, it was mostly just us in there for a minute, like yeah. all the admins of the various shows, and now there's a couple people in there, and... Like organic conversations have just kind of sparked out of nowhere, and it's really cool to watch the listeners of our shows now like carry on their own conversations between each other, yeah. even without us involved. It must be how Flynn felt, right? Yeah, things are just happening. I think so. It's yeah, beautiful. And these are the isomorphic algorithms that we <laughs> wanted to see. <laughs> Maybe they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think it's it's a really it's really cool. And then you know somebody was like, hey, uh, en- like uh, enough of a conversation about comic books got rolling. We we're like, let's create a comic book channel. And yeah. then uh, um, a, a TV one got rolling because we have a lot of really dedicated TV watchers that listen to our stuff. And uh, I think we should probably just make a channel for you at this point to post cool articles because he keeps <laughs> sending us really relevant stuff. I was actually thinking of, uh, we don't have a music one. And we have made so many music references in this podcast, like Preacher specifically, that I was like, it might be worth opening one up to just kind of throw out suggestions and like 
things that are relevant or that sort of thing. Cause for sure. A Whatever few episodes ago. Listening to that yeah, day. exactly. Or like, you know, what, 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 uh, what did certain scenes remind you of? Or even actually, was it last week where we said if you were going to recut certain scenes to certain songs, what would you choose? Yeah. Even that would be a good place to yeah. throw those in. But anyway. Absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's fantastic, and I've been so busy lately that I haven't been able to participate as much as I wanted to, but it's uh, it's really cool that there's all this conversation always going on. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great little way for everybody to kind of come together and talk. And I guess just to put it in perspective here, you know, $5 a month is, as Nick said, you know, uh, one coffee on one day of that month. But we sit here and think about this podcast alone. I think all of these episodes are like, 55 to an hour and a half long and that means we're giving you at least 10 but more than 10 hours of content that you can listen to uh and i think for me at least five dollars isn't that much for that type of uh output or or for what you're going to get out of it so we uh this is a labor of love for us you know you can look at our patreon and see how much money we're making a month it's about 50 something dollars uh, and that spread across all of the shows that I just talked about and all of the people that are working. And it's not like I'm handing out pennies to people. Alex has a stack of gold bars <laughs> in the corner that I'm going to help transfer into my car when we're done. here. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, but, you know, we're using that money to try and do more with our network and we'd really appreciate it if you, uh, if you could contribute a little bit. So. Uh, and, you know, for $5 a month, you get that bonus of talking to us on the discord so please check it out consider it at least and uh even if you want to wait for hopefully the next season of preacher if there is one or uh you know when when the angel of darkness comes out or or whatever it is uh just know that it's out there yeah there have been uh well i guess after we do our season recap episode alex and i will be on a bit well no alex is still on the game nerds pretty much weekly so i will be on a bit of a hiatus and i'm gonna travel yes travel the world i'm actually not that would be awesome (laughs) maybe i will i don't know uh but i will be waiting for either a new season of preacher or westworld or the alienist to come back alienist is probably likely the soonest (laughs) i'm not basing that that on westworld i'm not basing that on anything real yeah but we do Usually about once a week, I have a new idea for a podcast, and I text Alex about it, and he's like, that's a great idea. And then I go and buy the domain, and then we don't do anything with it, and it <laughs> well, doesn't happen. Well, there, there, there is one that I think is is pretty likely to happen uh, imminently, and another that I think is, it has a uh, it has an expiration date on it, so if we're going to do it, yeah. we have to do it soon, and he and I will keep talking about that, and uh, maybe we'll be able to put that together. Yeah, there's irons in the fire. I'm I'm actually just kind of looking forward to taking a little bit of time off because I think since the Alienist, there have maybe been three or four weeks where we have not recorded one of these. Sure. And 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 so yeah, there was a time where yeah, actually you're right because we went from the Alienist right into Westworld, right into this. There, there were maybe two weeks in between Westworld and the Alienist. Right, and, and then and Westworld concluded the week the preacher aired yes we rolled right through into it i as of as of today (laughs) as of today with this record this is the fifth podcast that i'm recording in the past seven days because we recorded two preachers last week i did the horror movie yearbook i did a midwest game nerds and now i'm doing this preacher again so i love doing it and it's great but i need a little bit of a break and it'll be nice but we will be back at it again very soon after we'll be switching to videos 
then it won't be like you're recording a podcast. We'll 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 do videos with no sound. <laughs> we'll just have some piano. They'll be they'll, yeah yeah. The title cards of the with some some honky tonk piano <laughs> tunes to accompany you through the mood, and we'll both be caked in like heavy makeup. Yes, to help our expressions come through. Yeah, but anyway, oh, maybe we won't do that. That's been. I, I think you've had your Midwest Podcast Network commercial. It's time to get into some preacher related stuff. We did get some nice listener feedback from our listener, Letitia. She says, hi, guys. I just realized that Hitler chose David as his fake name, which is uh, such a representative name for the Jewish. What an irony. Really enjoyed the last show. I'm sort of disappointed the way they killed the Allfather. And I also think he was more cartoonish than I expected. The character in the comics gives you the creeps, something that never happened in the show. But Tulip, oh, she's way better. Uh, and yeah, and she said she missed us the week that we were off and, and, uh, she said no episode of preacher is complete until your recap is out, uh, which is very nice. That is nice. Very nice words. Tweet that at AMC's Twitter. So they'll retweet (laughs) one of ours once in a while. That'd be great. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think we agree about the all father. Yeah. Kind of a disappointing end. Fat bastard too. But, but maybe it happened at the right time that it needed to just a little bit of a you know after seeing how this episode the finale concludes i don't think i agree with that all right all right yes we'll get there then we will uh and then uh yeah the fact that hitler chose the name david i think is very that is interesting you know i hadn't even thought about that but you're so right i didn't either yeah and it's 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 kind of a an interesting little observation like that is the most incognito that he thinks he could pull off is david which is you know so it's a very good thought thank you letitia for for tweeting at us but uh yeah so shall we move on to our recap of the finale okay i'm down all right After praying by his bedside with God there to see, young Jesse gathers the courage to ask Grandma to take the next night off and maybe for him to go away for a while. He wants to head to Texas to check on Tulip. Grandma berates him and flaunts her murdering of his parents in his face, saying he thinks too much like a custer and he doesn't have what it takes to exact revenge on Grandma. Later that night, under Satan's purview, Jesse raises a baseball bat above Grandma as she sleeps, but he can't bring himself to kill her. He tells her when he's leaving... Uh, He tells her he's leaving, and she tells him he'll be back. And as young Jesse walks down the Angelville Road, he crosses paths with old Jesse, who says, you should have killed her. And young Jesse responds, yeah, well, now's your chance. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see that moment of Jesse leaving, you know. Uh, They've done a lot with Jesse's backstory in this season, and I think this was kind of like, yeah. So I I wanted to call it this kind of memento-ish moment of, like, catching the 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 older the um past timeline kind of catching up with where we were at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. essentially yeah not not like not necessarily obviously it's a lot further back than that but it kind of fully informs jesse's angelville arc before we got there with him mm-hmm. for all we know um but it was cool and it was also cool to see mark harlick again but also god and satan present there in his life yeah in 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 you know some form although it was somewhat you know on the nose with them just kind of sitting there next to him but anyway what did you think of the teaser i thought it was really cool i i think i'm gonna say this up front and i'm gonna repeat it several times throughout the the episode 
Uh, I really loved the direction in this episode. I thought it was really good, and it was directed by Sam Catlin, which was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, I think he's a pretty strong director. Yeah. A lot of the lot of really cool stuff happening in this episode. I visually, I thought it was cool to see God up there watching him while he's while he's praying. Yeah. And uh, then that Satan was chilling at the dining room table while he's contemplating murder of his grandma. Yeah. Uh. It was interesting symbolically. I think I don't necessarily love the idea that they both had their eye on Jesse as like a youth that he was like destined to intersect with them in a more meaningful way later. I mean, obviously, if these powers are sort of omnipotent, they would know. I didn't really see it as is it being like a we will we will cross paths again. I saw it more of more of the omnipotent. They were all knowing. They were there. They know the choices that he made, and they weighed on him in those times. That's true. And we also are getting off of this duality of like the person wielding Genesis needs to hold the balance of good and evil in them. Grandma even has a line about how you still think like a Custer that if you do just enough right and not too much wrong, that there's still hope for you. Mm -hmm. It's because you're afraid of hell. It's like these Custers are balancing on the precipice of 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 irredeemable and r- redeemable and to kind of see those forces present throughout somebody's life when you know someone of belief would would f- think of those people as there or tempting them or supporting them or whatever it was just a very interesting representation of that and i liked it quite a bit yeah that's a good point I didn't like I guess I got the vibe that they they were involved because Satan does say an episode or two ago that he's had his eye on Jesse for quite some time. Yeah. And obviously uh grandma is sort of in league with him yeah. on some level. I just I'm glad they didn't say anything like they knew that Jesse would be the one to like receive Genesis because I would hate that. It's supposed to be random. Like he just it happens to be him. Yeah. But Genesis isn't even a thing. Well, he is a thing at this point, but he's not like, well, uh, I guess I don't know for sure. I don't know the timeline of the show. Yeah. In the books, he might not be a thing. Genesis might not be a thing yet. Or if it is, I think in the books, it's a, it's explained that Genesis was created and uh, like hidden away and like God didn't know about it or something. Yeah. When God finds out, it's one of the things that makes him go like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. Like, that's it. I can't handle this. But I, I do think that Genesis was born a long time ago. I don't remember now. I got a brush. I'm sure Bruce will let me know in the <laughs> Discord. I, I got a brush. That's the thing. I skipped like the first few issues when I started rereading. I went right to Angelville because I was like, oh, I want to get to this. And it's only skipping like five or six issues, but there's a lot that happens in those. Yeah. Yeah. No. I And I I, I get what you're saying. I, I think it would be kind of cheap to make Jesse like the chosen one. Exactly. Even if he is. Yeah. He wasn't meant to be necessarily yeah so i i get it i get where you're coming from it's kind of like the uh this is here we go right right the hell off topic the original origin of star lord in marvel comics Mm. he like really really wanted to be like an astronaut and he gets he's at like uh i think he works for nasa there's like there's a couple of them and the like star lord is like a title like held by someone in space kind of like a space cop sort of yeah and the existing the guy who bestows the power comes down to earth and he comes to them and he's like hey i need a new star lord and 
Peter Quill's like, yo, I'm your guy. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not good <laughs> enough. And he like tells the other guy, he's like, there's like some strapping Steve Rogers type. And he's like, you are the Star-Lord. And this guy's like, sweet. And he's like, here's your gear. Uh, I'll meet you tomorrow morning to take you to space to be Star-Lord. And he's like, okay. And Peter Quill ends up like stealing the shit and like jumping in and basically being like, yo, it's me. And he ends up like kind of stealing the title and he wasn't supposed to be, but he kind of has to then earn his way into Step it. into the role. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, I always thought it was such a great origin because I was yeah. like, man, he wasn't meant to be at all. And he's like, he just wanted it so bad and <laughs> disobeyed the rules of the cosmos people that determine uh, who gets to be. I always thought that was just a great it's like origin. like somebody's stealing the Green Lantern ring or something. Sort of, yeah. yeah. Like jumping in the way of it and be like, nope, mine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there you go. There's one. Yeah totally off topic that belongs in the comics discussion <laughs> discord which you can participate in for uh, five dollars a month uh i liked the kind of so we see this flashback stuff in black and white but i liked kind of the blending of color on the yeah road. it was really cool in that overhead shot how like young jesse's was like sort of like a gradient yeah like just kind of wiping by mm-hmm. i thought it was really slick yeah like that, that's what I mean. Lots of little stuff like that in this episode that was really cool. There's more to come. I made I took notes this week. Good. I cool. went to take notes and I was like, oh, the last time I took notes was episode seven. <laughs> Whoopsie. Eight and nine was was the that was our. That's busy, true. That was a yeah. bit of a marathon. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any other thoughts here. I'm oh, I teaser. laughed at the owl sound effect. That was one of my notes. Uh, when it's nighttime and you see the outside of Angelville and you hear the whoo, 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 <laughs> the same the same one you heard at like Icarius's house. Yeah. Stock owl. Beautiful. Is, it returns. Beautiful. Anything else? Uh no, I don't think so. There's just a cool uh cool opening. Yeah, absolutely. I the them talking to each other was strange. I was like, hmm. I wonder what this means. I think it was just that kind of <coughs> By the end of the episode, it felt more of older Jesse reminiscing and thinking yeah. about remembering this experience and, and kind of drawing on Are it. time and space different right there? Like, well, can maybe. They, can they walk past each Possible. other? Possible. Time is a flat circle. So. <laughs> it's, it's true. The, no, it, 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 it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's a little bit of that. What would past me say about what's happening right sure. now? Sure. You know? Yep. All right. In Act 1, Jesse enters the house and easily dispatches TC. As he heads to face Grandma, Jody arrives with arrives home with the souls. Jesse elects not to use the word to kill him, but instead requests a fight in the tombs. Meanwhile, in Limbo, the Saint and Sydney dispatch most of the Nazis while Tulip fights a few and Eugene tussles with Hitler. Eventually, Hitler gets knocked out, Tulip takes out several Nazis, and the Saint and Sydney take care of most of the rest. Unfortunately, the tank is still operational and runs over the Saint, trapping him below with fuel dripping on him. He heats up his knife in preparation for something as Tulip and Sydney face the end of the tank's barrel. Just as it fires, time stops, and God presents himself to Tulip. Uh, TC experiencing Genesis was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of the him being in awe of what's happening to him and, and how it feels. Watching somebody new dealing with Genesis is always interesting. It is, yeah. Especially a guy like TC who yeah. has seen some shit. He has seen otherworldly things before. Yeah. So watching him be so affected by it was pretty cool. Yeah. I really loved how silhouette all that was. I loved the split screen, too, of TC just in the kitchen and yes. Jesse here. I thought that was really cool. I really loved the shot of Jody looking at Jesse 
mm-hmm. silhouetted down the hallway yeah. in front of the door. It was like, very comic booky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that it was, was fantastic. Uh, some beautiful blocking going on, but, um, yeah, and then the idea that Jesse uses the word to have TC, he's like, shoot yourself, and he shoots himself in the foot Just instantly. Yeah. Once again, that very literal, like, you know. Didn't have to be in the head. Didn't he? Didn't have to kill himself. He just had to shoot himself somehow, and that's how it happened. But it, it does feel to me like they are depicting the word in a very different sense. They're doing. It feels like they're doing more of a visual thing now than they did before, which is, like looks warping really the cool. Yeah, like Jesse. separating Jesse from the background. I, I think I like it a lot, and that is really cool to me. But I was thinking more along the lines of like having the gun just fly out of Jody's hands rather than like having Jody th- or TC, TC excuse me throwing the gun to him like involuntarily that's true it, it, and it might be like a very minor difference and when he said maybe, get back he like flies back yes yeah that type of stuff but i think they've kind of played wishy-washy with that in previous seasons too so it's not like surprising could to it me. just be that he's like He's just experiencing this extra surge because he's at full strength again. Him, him and Genesis are like... It's possible. Genesis back in the is saddle. just like, all right, I'm yeah. not neutered anymore. Let's get this done. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, and yeah, what did you think about Jesse electing the tombs with, with Jody? You know, rather rather than using the word to kill Jody, he oh, sees... Oh, made, made perfect sense. Yeah. He sees fit to actually face Jody on the level that yeah they've been testing each other on previously yeah i would have liked more like i would have liked a moment or two more of him and jody when he was younger yeah like jody beating the crap out of him and and him getting thrown into the coffin more than once because that's kind of an important thing in the book is that you get the you do know that jody is pretty much the reason jesse is so tough yeah at least physically and the reason he can fight so well is because he was having to defend himself from jody for like a long time it's hard for me to tell if that comes across just because of our discussions and us talking about it or if i felt like the show like i think it can be read in the show pretty easily there's a lot but i'm glad you said it that way or phrased it that way because i i was wondering actually on my way here i was like thinking about things i wanted spelled out a little bit more and they're mostly things i know but i feel like i'm asking that for the sake of viewers but i don't know if the viewers actually need some things spelled out more if you kind of get it like all right it's a little hard for me to say being this close to like you having read it and and the discussions that we have kind of give me those little bits of things to hang on to sure but i think i think a lot of it's there i mean the first thing they do when they get back from like getting the transpoil for for tulip is fight is yeah. fight yeah and and they they always seem to be at this kind of the the way that they dispense and even tc dispenses violence the way they all dispense violence on each other with no regard to it is just kind of it it, it, it indicates that it's like woven deep into their relationships yeah so i think it's there Okay, but if somebody wants to write in and let us know, although you've been listening to us as well, uh, let us know if 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 you see that Jody is the reason that Jesse is. Well, tough. I feel like Jody in in the show is not presented as like evil as he is in the books. Like in the books, you're like, this dude is evil, and in the show, he's like a little softer than that. Like he's you see him 
do nice things and you see him act in the interest of like other people even if ultimately it's for like grandma he still is like willing to to deal with it and he is given like comedic beats and he is given moments where he's kind of sympathetic towards like tulip and that kind of stuff like he's he's more human in the show than he is in the books and from a personal perspective i don't like it as much in the show because in this episode all of a sudden you realize like oh he's he's just evil again you know what i mean like he even when he's appears at the end of the hall in the suit and that you're reminded that oh just an episode ago he was putting on a a silly sexual harassment seminar and like sending funny emojis and <laughs> you're like giggling at Jody and I'm like, you're, you're supposed to be very afraid of him every time he's on screen. And in this episode again, he's creepy again and he's, he's a menace and you realize he's a threat that needs to put down. But for a second, like watching the show, I'm like, you feel almost a little bad. You're like, Oh man, this is going to be it for Jody. And you should be like, please like make sure he's dead. I don't, feel like i felt bad for jody at all okay that's good i don't feel as though jody felt all that sympathetic like yeah there were times where he was going along with the team for grandma but jody to me felt like i don't know i just think that from from the moment we see him in the season you you do get that that like I guess I remember saying in our in our first episode this season, I was kind of surprised at how Jody received Jesse because mm-hmm. he gives him a hug when he's like, you know, covered in alligator guts or whatever. But I didn't really feel like I thought Jesse wanted that hug. And I also like immediately after their fight was like, OK, Jody's ready to just kill Jesse because he's not strong enough to take him on. So I think it... Don't get me wrong. Jody starts off perfect. For like the first episode or two of this season, I was like, they nailed it. And then in the middle there, he just kind of gets lost. I feel like he's just not... He doesn't have the... He's, he should be like Saint of Killer's light. Like he hmm. should be that level of like, oh God, look he out. He is the one that goes and kills like all of the boys though. You know? Like I think, I think the bits and pieces are there, but I think you're right. Like there are certainly episodes where it feels like what the hell is Jody doing? Why is like is he over there grinding up more crocodiles That's or something? Yeah, making like, more chum. Yeah, like it, swamp I, consomme. I agree that he disappears, but I don't. And I could totally see him being even more evil and just more of a force to be reckoned with in the comics. But I feel like that was kind of here. I think I got that. Okay. I well, think I did. That's good. So. Not not to like diminish what you're saying at all, because I think it's totally valid. And if you, as a comic book viewer or comic book reader, feel that way, that's important. But I I want to I want to say that I don't. I was sad when TC with TC in this episode. <laughs> I was not sad about Jody at sure. all. Yeah, and I don't mind that they did that with TC because TC is disgusting in the book, <laughs> but he's not as I mean he's he's evil as well. But he's not as evil as Jody. Yeah. I mean, Jody, to me, just kind of lost his edge in the show. And I was so excited because I remember when I saw what Jeremy Childs looked like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then the first few episodes, those first few encounters, I was like, this is perfect. Like, I'm sure if 
you go back and listen to our first few episodes of this season, or if I even went back, I'd be like, yeah, they're right. you're right on, Nick. And uh, I would pass myself in listening and be like, <laughs> you should have seen what Jody was going to be like. <laughs> Now's your chance. Because, you know, he, he kind of fell in with, with the All-Father, and part of this is just, again, by nature of having read the books, I have certain expectations in place that maybe I shouldn't. But it is what it is, I guess. And he, he, he got a little neutered for me in the middle there because... You know, he's just just different, I guess. I think I think they juggled a lot this season. I do and think I think they mostly did well by pretty much everything except the All Father and Jody. I and I liked where he wound up. That's the difference between him and the All Father is I, I liked ultimately how it went down. Yeah, but yeah. in the in the comic when Jody goes, you're just like you want a fist pump. You just want you feel like. You just want to run out of your house or wherever you are and just like high five people. And in the show, it's like it happens and you're like, hell yeah. But it's just not the moment. It doesn't have the same weight to me in the show because like this is the dude that like he's one of the like handful of people that have ruined Jesse's life. You know, mm-hmm. he murdered his dad in front of him. And in the show, they kind of tried to like walk it back by showing you that scene again, except this time like panning the camera further up to see Jody while he was doing it. But I feel like that kind of bit got a little bit lost in the middle of the season like it kind of just it fades you forget that this is like jesse's nemesis essentially there is no one living on earth that he hates more than this man besides grandma and that to me got a little muddled because i feel like the comic is also very overt like he's literally screaming profanities at him every time he sees him in the book and telling him how he's going to kill him yeah and he's going to kill him with his own bare hands and in the show they don't they don't do that they do that (laughs) at like the beginning of the season and then they just work together for the middle. And I guess that's where the show preacher differs from the book is like in the book, both Jesse and Jody are characters that just like, they will take no shit and they have their stance and that's it. And they won't budge from it. So even if grandma had been like, Hey, you got to go to Osaka and help them. Jody would be like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to try to kill Jesse right now instead. And <laughs> that would be what would happen. Like they just, they have their stance and they don't back down. So yeah, it's just different. And that that's okay that it, that is different. I just think that that change didn't really work for me as much, but like with TC, that's a great example that you brought up because he is very, very different and it works. Like yeah. I, I really enjoyed what they did with TC. I, it, it's just feels like they kind of, um, they let more of the, trauma that jesse experiences rest with grandma more holy than placing some of it on jody for shooting john yeah which is weird and, because and, but, and yeah I, I don't know why they necessarily made that choice in the end because i feel like grandma's evil enough and and you know enough of a powerful force that she's fine on her own without also holding that i i mean obviously she would have been responsible for it she's the one that told jody to go do it yeah and they but, don't I've, i just remembered the tc i think it's tc yeah it is tc that kills jesse's like childhood best friend mm. and uh that's pretty dark too yeah in the book when all that happens and they, that's obviously just gone yeah that whole character and that whole relationship there's like a little family that lives like in the swamp and they're like it's played for laughs, but they're like inbred. Like the parents are like cousins or brother and sister or something. Okay, yeah. And so the little boy who's Jesse's friend, I forgot his name, but he has like one eye or something. Like it's really over the top and <laughs> probably not sensitive. I mean, like it's the kind of topic where like, I don't know what the degree of sensitivity people want to feel is, but <laughs> it's so cartoonish that when you're reading it, you kind of feel like you've slipped into another universe because it's, <laughs> it's so over the top. 
but he's like his little buddy. He's like his only friend, and yeah. he, uh, TC kills him. And uh, I think it's TC. TC definitely finds him and like wants. To, I think it's TC that actually does kill him. Though it might be Jody though. Jody's kind of the next snapper uh, around. So yeah. Anyway, well, we'll come back to that a little bit. Uh, but limbo with with the Nazis. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say. Uh no, well okay, I went and saw a movie this weekend called Black Klansman, which is by uh. Spike Lee, uh the latest Spike Lee movie, and that movie's really really fantastic, and also contains maybe one of the biggest gut punches of any movie that I've seen really? recently. It's incredible, and it fully makes me feel like this show is just irresponsibly tossing Nazis around for no good reason. And I think even with this episode, it's fun that they all die. But I'm kind of like, why? <laughs> yeah, and, it's a it's a weird day and age to... Like, I understand wanting to use them, but you're not using them properly. Yeah. Says the guy <laughs> recording the podcast in Michigan. <laughs> but... I think we can, at least I know you can. I, I, I guess we don't want to say properly, but I don't think they're using them in an effective fashion for go. for us. There's one <laughs> there's one way in which they do in this episode, in this scene, I think, that I loved and I thought was great. Which one is what? When the Saint and uh, Sydney. Sydney are walking out and all the Nazis are lining up and there's the one wearing the MAGA hat. Yes. I yes. lost it and I started laughing so hard. That, and, that, and I was like, see, if you're going to do it, you just, just got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like that, I was like, okay, that's that's funny and also sad for many reasons. But the... Um, <laughs> I just, it really made me laugh for several reasons. I was thinking that they were probably like filming the episode and someone's like, wait, someone run to Walmart, buy one of those. We're going to like, literally they probably sent a PA on a run and they're like, here's like $20 petty cash. Go get a MAGA hat and bring it here because we need it for this shot. <laughs> and th- they were probably were like waiting to shoot it, like holding. And then this PA came running back and like threw the receipt at production <laughs> and then threw the hat and they just stuck it on that guy's head and said, roll. Like I, in my mind, that's how it happened. No. And I can totally see that. And, and you know what? Uh, not to get into politics, but I think they're right to do it. But anyway, the the thing that I want to say is, like, for some reason, the idea that Hitler's in the show, I think, is one thing. But the depiction of, like, actual Nazis in Nazi uh, uniform and just wearing wearing armbands and having swastikas everywhere i guess after seeing that movie this weekend was just kind of like it's enough to make me kind of be like fuck man this is not not worth the joke it's not worth the joke they are doing no good here it's not even real good catharsis or anything like that i guess and maybe part of it was the fact that like the the shooting like the saint shooting the machine gun was awesome or the assault rifle was awesome but the fact that they like smoke screen all of the Nazis and everything and it looks really cheap and you just see like there are a lot shadows of very, drop out very and, bad effects in this episode. Yeah. So the only I this is weird that I'm defending this joke at this point. <laughs> but I, I see a parallel now that I didn't see before. And it's actually thanks to Sydney. Because when he walks up, when Ricky or whatever his name is, Rick 
introduces himself and states his rank and she's like why are you wearing a Luftwaffe <laughs> pin or whatever? And yeah. then he looks and realizes like it suddenly it became clear to me in a way that it hadn't before. I was like, I understand that they're not they're not using like actual Nazis at, <coughs> excuse me as the joke. They're using what they think they're they're making fun of today's people who call today's themselves neo Nazis. Yes. Yeah. Because and it's not to say that like they are hoping like oh you you can't be taken seriously because obviously their hate, hate groups are a serious problem and yeah. they're very real but i think they're drawing a parallel between them and Icarius's group of vampire posers where they're a bunch of losers with secondhand bullshit putting on airs trying to be taken seriously to be something that they aren't because I think that the thesis these guys have is that the people who are walking around in the streets of our major cities here in the U.S. waving flags and saying that they're like these neo-Nazi groups, they are not, they don't hold a candle to the real giant force of evil that swept across Europe, you know, 70 years ago. They cannot be taken that seriously. At least that that's how, that's the vibe I'm getting from the show is that that's mm. what they're trying to say is like, there was real evil on this earth like that. That was an incredible force of evil and it has been not extinguished, but certainly smothered. And we as the world will have moved on from it and grown and learned and will not make that mistake again. And you are just scattered little bugs sweeping up crumbs of something that we destroyed a long time ago and it won't stand for. It's kind of how it feels to me that they're basically equating them to those guys in Mrs. Rosen's basement. However, that that group ends up doing something pretty cool. So <laughs> I don't want to necessarily say that the comparison get, is there. But the fact that they're all wearing like the shit that you would buy at like Joe's Army Navy yeah. and they have one tank and like <laughs> a bunch of nerds and like, you know what I mean? Like I think that they're trying to laugh at the idea that if Hitler did come back, this is what he would muster is a bunch of dweebs. <laughs> I guess I get that, but I and and I, and I I'm I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> no, 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 no. And and but uh, one of the things that struck me about Black Klansman is I walk out of that movie feeling like things are almost worse than they were in a lot of ways. In the days of the movie takes place in the 70s or so, and and the KKK is obviously a big uh, force in the movie, but like by the time you finish out that movie, I think you realize that there are things that happened last year that are way more horrible than what you thought was possible in 2018. Because we're supposed to know better by now. Yes. By now, yes. we are... It's it's insane because, you know, everyone I know, everyone I interact with on a day-to-day basis, all my friends, family, coworkers, whatever, is better than that, right? Yeah, like exactly. We surround ourselves with people that are better than that, but people that bad are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and... I feel like this is a weird topic because I, at least I know from some of our other shows that a lot of our listener base are international. Like, it yeah. seems like, or at least a lot of the people that we interact with are are outside of the United States. So, these problems must seem extra bizarre if you're not living here. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I guess I don't know who it's more surreal for the people who live here and ha- and this is our daily news. Here, here's an example. I was out of the country like two weeks ago, and I was watching their news. And it was amazing because their news was talking about how stupid our news is. 
and then like other shit that like is so like I watched a, a whole like 15 minute segment about like oh man we need to take a second look at our air purity uh, <laughs> bills make sure that all uh, all the legislation that's going through is in the best interest of our of our air quality <laughs> here and I was like I texted my wife I was like the news here is incredible I was like because it makes me want to it makes me want to keep watching and it makes me want to learn something and like talk to somebody about it later and here we you are so exhausted and yeah and just browbeaten by yeah. this ceaseless rain of stupidity every day every day <laughs> in and out non-stop and it's just oh it's exhausting living here right now <laughs> yeah which is the terrible and and the thing is of everyone i have it pretty easy like i fully <laughs> yeah. recognize that yeah. as a as a as a white male in my early 30s like i'm okay yeah and i it's really a shame for so many people to live here like it, it just even when we were on our honeymoon earlier this year we met a lot of people from other countries and they were asking us about the political climate in the u.s and i was like i mean a lot of minorities and other uh ethnic groups like that are like worried again like afraid like they were in the early to mid 2000s yeah which was also a terrible time when you had all these people that were like afraid for their lives and like that wasn't really a like that was real and now it feels kind of like that again a lot of people that are just concerned and, and on edge that weren't on edge for a, a bit of for a good eight years there. <laughs> yeah so uh i don't know you're listening to gone to texas <laughs> Show about AMC's anyway, preacher. yeah, I think we've said a lot of our piece. I'm about really the glad Nazi that you stuff. I'm really glad that you drew that comp- that you brought that uh, experience into this episode, though, because I think that that you're right. That is something that kind of needs to be said. Like, I think the joke must work for those guys because they're doing it, and uh, I'd be I'm going to be very curious to see if they say anything. If there's going to ever be any Q and As or like anything, like, there may already be where somebody's like, "Yo." Uh, why yeah and see what they say and 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 what their rationale for it is but um like i said in this episode the joke kind of worked for me a little bit more i kind of started to see it i was like this is what we've been building towards is like and i should have seen it anyway because he's working at a sandwich shop and he's got the circuit works dude as like his his right hand man (laughs) and like you're just a you're just angry and you're not right and you're acting out of fantasy and i equated it then as suddenly i realized i was like oh they're they're acting like the van- the the vampire po- i thought of cassidy saying you guys are a bunch of posers because yeah. that's kind of what i thought i was waiting for hitler to say that but he's into it he's like yes they're like he's as delusional as they are he's like, this is it <laughs> we're doing it no yeah but as far as the actual scene goes uh cool action i liked tulip just uh throwing it down to the bus that was yes. a really cool setting i liked the sideways bus yeah. as like a fight sequence it must have been a nightmare to shoot oh, like it was, it, yeah it cannot have been fun it, to move the camera in that space it was really cool though <laughs> I, I really really enjoyed that whole sequence yeah uh except i didn't like anything that was going on outside of it i, I was like well oh this sucks like, yeah, the animation was, just sucked very rough uh i, I didn't the, care the only good thing about it is watching the saint with with an assault rifle but even oh that, with like an mp40 yeah circa rise of the triad <laughs> that was the gun in that game yeah it was funny watching him walk around with like vintage german weaponry like he had a, a knife i think yep. it was like a uh, german knife uh i shouldn't even say german that's a that's not right for the german folk but um yeah i didn't give a shit about anything that was happening outside the bus i was like there's no stakes here i don't care 
except when the tank ran over the saint and cut him in half. I was like, nope, no, <laughs> don't like it. Doesn't happen. Hey, what about him blowing on the knife to get it hot? <laughs> that was kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> doesn't make. I was any- like, why is this happening? <laughs> didn't he's like, oh, I didn't know I had this power. Cool. <laughs> why don't you just keep blowing on the tank then? And just like, <laughs> blow a hole through the bottom yeah. and climb up in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was all dumb. Like, all right, I'm just gonna say it. I thought it was dumb. Didn't like it because uh, yeah. all right, there's a. I'm gonna spoil it. I don't mm. want to. I, it's one of my favorite parts in the comic. It's a minor thing, but a tank tries to run over the saint in the comic. Yeah, like they, they just like rip in half. They come bearing down, and what's even better? You want to know what happens? Yeah, he kicks through it and like <laughs> flips it over because he's invincible. You yeah. can't do it. He gets hit by a car. They try to actually. I think in issue two, maybe maybe one. They've already encountered the saint. They see him in the middle of the road, and the, and Cassidy's driving. And he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna just." cream him and uh he slams into him and the whole engine block the whole truck just compresses the saint doesn't literally does not move cassidy goes flying through the windshield and is like turned into paste and yeah. he obviously uh gathers himself regenerates himself yeah. yeah because he's he's a vampire but the saint yeah he can't be moved <laughs> like by heaven a force on heaven or hell or earth which is evidenced in the end of this episode uh <laughs> But yeah, I was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, this is dumb. Like we don't. It's like they forgot who the saint was this season. Yeah, and you don't need that. Like he doesn't need to be run over because it felt like they were struggling to make certain action beats and effects work. And I'm assuming it's a money thing. Cut out that whole sequence, man. You don't need that because it just doesn't do anybody any favors. Just have him flip the tank over just have him push the tank over that'd be way cooler i don't know and i would also be like oh shit there well, he, and he did he he eventually he puts pushed the, tank, the bus the bus, puts the bus ba- back, yeah, yeah he puts the bus back on so it's like i don't know it was just kind of dopey just, yeah. sydney kind of walking around with her whip too i was like this is dopey i don't care also why is she so catty towards him about his daughter like what does yeah. she care she's the she's the angel this is the angel of death <laughs> she's been doing this for millennia and all of a sudden she's gonna she just wants She's, to fuck around with this. Yeah, she's just trolling the Saint of Killers. Like, <laughs> this doesn't seem wise. I don't yeah. know. The same lady who got fooled by Tulip being like, oh, here's my Japanese male name tag. You're fooled. But yeah. she picks out a Luftwaffe badge <laughs> with no problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, some of the sequence didn't work for me, but some of it really did. All the Tulip stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Agreed. I loved the... Uh, the, the um, Hiding the gun. Yeah, I'm just making <laughs> motions with my arms here that aren't helping anybody <laughs> who's listening, but it looks good. Uh, yeah, the reveal that she's got that the gun she, behind that the she seat. Got, yeah, because she goes to reach for the Luger, and it doesn't really look like she could have gotten it. But then, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, reminded yeah. me of the uh, Indiana Jones Last Crusade where he shoots through three Nazis mm-hmm. and then looks at his gun like, oh, well, <laughs> didn't know I could do that. Should consider these more often. Uh, the only other thing is, of course, Mark Harlick returns in the dog, the man, do- the man, the man dog suit. Thank you. Yeah, that was the other visual reveal I absolutely loved. I loved <laughs> the pan around the tank round and then reveal the chick on the bike first. I yep. was like, oh god! I was like, was, oh, God's here. Yeah, and the music kind of crept in in that moment. And I was like, they know exactly what they're doing. With how many characters to me, they're either like slightly mishandling or totally missing the mark on. They got God on lock, so that's good. That is good. Yeah, that was a really great reveal, and he's uh, he's really funny in this yeah. scene. How far did this scene go? This just God appeared. 
Okay, and that, and was, that it. was it. So okay. we'll go into Act Two. Uh, the Children of Blood stand solemn in Mrs. Rosen's kitchen as Icarus heads downstairs to convince Cassidy to play along with this with his horrific pattern. Icarus tries to appeal to Cassidy, saying he has so much ahead of him to live for, but Cassidy seems unable to care. Icarus shows Cassidy a unicorn pipe that he had specially made for Cass, and he tells Cassidy it's this or burn. God pulls Tulip aside and claims to be a merciful God, saying that he'll bless the name O'Hare if Tulip helps get Jesse off of his trail. Tulip declines to go along with that plan, and uh, God tries to goad her along one more time by claiming that Cassidy is in grave danger. Tulip doesn't want to believe him, but she ultimately leaves to head to Cassidy. God resumes time, and the tank shell misses Sydney and Eugene. The tank explodes when the saint stabs it with his heated knife, and he walks up to Sydney, plucks her eye, and plucks out her eyes. He collects Eugene and gets the bus upright to return to hell and finish his mission. Uh, yeah, the Akaria stuff, did you see it coming? Did you figure, because I was kind of like, okay, I think they know. <laughs> I, Even in the kitchen. Yeah, I don't know. I figured Mrs. Rosen had alerted them. Yeah, and that something was going to happen. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't anticipate it going as far as it did. Yeah, but I figured something was up. Yeah, I liked the the bit about the pipe. I know how a pipe works, <laughs> the moron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put your you sprinkle your drugs in the end. <laughs> uh, Br- Bruce had a good line of saying that. Uh, Cassidy showed some John Constantine level planning and manipulation in getting out of that situation. Mm. And he said a bit of a crossover of different Ennis titles with a smiley face. Um, and he said also Acarius's general attitude reminded me a bit of the King of the Vampires from Ennis's Hellblazer run as well, and that he's a bit more explicitly supernatural but still full of himself and overdramatic. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I was just kind of bored with the Akaria stuff in this one. Oh, really? Because I saw it coming, mostly. Okay. Until Hoover shows up, of course. We'll get to Hoover, though. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I I liked it because I just am enjoying Joe Gilgan's performance so much. That's true. I, I could see what you're saying. It it also felt a little out of place because he pretty much laid it all on the line in the last episode. And yes. then he's like... Are you sure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 Cassidy, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was like breaking up with somebody repeatedly or something. And then they're, have you reconsidered? No, you will lose any unsaved data. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I think Ooh, it does make me question though, because Cassidy did say like, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather go back to. I liked his line. He's like, "You're going to go back to your lonely life," and he's like, "Yeah, yep. probably." You know, I just got done last week talking about how Cassidy. And I have to make peace with the fact that Cassidy in the show is a better person than Cassidy in the books. Yeah. Or, I'm, yes. And now I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of walking it back a little bit because Cass knew he had a way out of this one. So I'm not sure he really meant some of that, especially kind of by the end when the vampire is like, "What do we all do now?" And Cass like sits on the throne and he's like, "Whatever we want," and he's like. There's a little, there's a little twinkle in his eye yeah. there, where I think he's kind of like, I got, I got a bunch of flunkies here now that are all vampires like me, and we can do whatever we want. And he, I felt like he was a little bored with it though. Like I think he, he talks, he tells Hoover, he's like, oh, they're all bored with it already. And they like, you see how much they are like, what is our purpose now without yeah. Acarius? What does she say now that we're all night raids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and Mrs. Can't. Rosen with vampire fangs. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Almost as funny as Danny Houston in Thirty Days of Night, <laughs> which if you guys haven't seen Thirty Days of Night, it's a pretty cool movie. But there's something about Danny Houston as the lead vampire. There's there's repeated shots throughout the movie of him like looking down and then he looks up like and he's got these like goofy teeth and just like I don't know. For some Dan- reason. Danny Houston is the ax sax man from yes. American Horror Story, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I get my Houstons mixed up sometimes. What other Houstons are you getting mixed up with? Uh is he Angelica? the wife in yeah. <laughs> his sister? In the life aquatic? No. Uh there's also um God, what's the what's the song? I want to see Danny Houston with like her her haircut, <laughs> not like her wig to see if big they... big round hat with yeah. the yeah. No, uh, his son, Jack, Jack Houston. Oh, is well. that his son? I think so. It probably is. Or is it her son? It's probably his son. I don't know. They're all related somehow. Yeah, they're, they're brother and sister, Danny and Angelica. But I think Jack is somebody's son. Probably. But anyway. Because they're the, they're the kids of John Houston. Also, sometime actor, mostly director. Uh, anyway, yeah, 30 Days of Night is funny. You can Google it, just like 30 Days of Night, Danny Houston. You'll probably find the exact picture I'm talking about. It's just <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I don't know why I think it's funny, but Danny Houston to me... Because Danny Houston's like a great... He can play a great villain, but like even in Wonder Woman, I was like, this is dorky. Yeah. He can't pull, the, pull this off. But he's really good in a lot of other stuff. He's great in American Horror Story. He's in Children of Men. He's... Uh, I think he's Clive Owen's brother or some some relation. Anyway... Danny yeah. Houston, I like Danny Houston a lot, but in 30 Days of Night, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Icarius. Oh, what I was saying about Cassidy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking now maybe that there there's a little bit of ne'er-do-well still in there because uh, he just had to play it out, let it play out. Well, and the I think the end result of everything didn't necessarily... Like, I think he cares in the end that they all died, but I don't know that, like, he had that much of a plan for them in the intermediary. Yeah, it all just kind of worked out. Because I began thinking too, like he didn't seem that into having a bunch of vampires out there. Yeah, and now there's like thirty more. Well, and they're all sitting in the basement. Not anymore. I mean, like, yeah. By yeah. that point yep. in his plan, it was like, well, I got out of that one, but, and that is pretty classic Cassidy to just find a way, find a temporary solution, but not think about the long term. Yeah, yeah. I just think if if the window, if the possibility exists that. There's more cast from the books in there than I realized because he's like master level manipulator in the comics. And if if I as the viewer am being manipulated as well, I'm pretty into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So that's it. Uh, Yeah. So I think one of my favorite lines from this episode is, for Christ's sakes, you killed a man with a yep, corn cob. Absolutely. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I mean, I took that. I was like, did God just say for Christ's sake? <laughs> And uh, yeah, I write it down. The delivery of it was so good too. It's just so fantastic. Everything about God is so awesome, and I am so glad that they got like the fact that he's got his hair in a ponytail and he's got those earrings is so awesome. (laughs) Just and he's still wearing the dog suit. Like he he has not appeared in any conventional clothing. Well, you know what the 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 God that we see in the past with Jesse looks very Old Testament God, and he looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like he oh, is yeah. the spitting image of Old Testament God. No, oh, yeah, you're, but you're right. But then putting him in the in the ridiculous man dog suit is just even better, mm-hmm. and it's so perfect. But yeah, I uh, <laughs> I have like five notes in a row that are all about God. <laughs> Let's hear them. 
when uh when tulip was saying uh what about eugene which one's he it was like was yeah. god's line and it was just so funny i was like he doesn't even know it doesn't care it's not on his radar see and that that's more in line with with the way he the way i shouldn't just say just god but like god the devil angels demons whatever they're all kind of like that where they're not necessarily as like omniscient omnipotent whatever as you would hope them to be like they're they're kind of hey, it they're seems kinda, like they have the power but they're way more ambivalent about yes, it all and they're they're just kind of people doing their jobs like yeah it which is i love i love that interpretation i think it's so good so that's why when god and satan both were chilling in angelville there i kind of i kind of was like well I, I don't know if i like them being this tuned in the situation because this but maybe back then 20 years probably isn't that big of a difference to those guys but uh maybe then they were a little more like taking their positions more seriously. Cause we do know that everything has gone off the rocker at this point. Sa- Satan is playing by his own rule book at this and point. God, has God just doesn't bounced. care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's way more like, hmm, what, which one's that? It's still I, like he mentions to Tulip that Genesis needs to stay away from his great design. Yep. Well, the Jesse, that's the line I was waiting for. I've yeah. said it a few times already this season. And I like actually like, did the, the silent Ron Swanson fist pump when he said, I'll do this for you, but you have to tell Jesse to stop looking for me. I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. Like the, we're getting back on track now to what the story's kind of about. And I was, uh, I was really excited to hear that. I was really sad that we didn't hear Jesse and Tulip talk about it. I wanted that. I wanted I did too. I wanted her to, because I can imagine that Jesse will just be like, "Well, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. We're headed straight for him now." Like there, there's a lot that I wanted from those two. I wanted them to be with each other too when he burns Angelville down, because that's yeah. how it happens in the books. It's the, it's the baddest. You said that was where they kiss out. From, Ugh, right? It's the yeah. baddest shit in the book. It's so sweet. Bad. I mean, good. Uh, it's awesome. It's like this full page spread of like Angelville just completely engulfed in flames <laughs> and they're just like tongues down each other's throats making out and it's the last image of that particular arc and that issue is called till the end of the world and usually in comics it's on like the like second or third page sometimes where they'll throw the title of the issue in there because back then man they used to, every title every issue used to have a cool title yeah and i I really love that reading series like they, they don't really do that as much anymore sometimes they still do but in they in that issue they didn't have it up front and it's like at the very end across that whole image of Angelville just burning and it's so fantastic because you really <laughs> you really feel like oh man a major victory for good today like <laughs> some real evil got smited up in here and it's awesome and the fact that we didn't really get that as much in the show I was like yeah you, yeah, you, you see him in the house and he pours the gas and all oh, the fire or whatever but it's not it's not this explosive moment of like hell yeah good guys See you later, bad guys. True love, romance. It's like it's like the Princess Bride. It's all right there, and it's yeah. awesome. And uh, we didn't really get it. It was kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. It would have been it especially been nice. because uh, Dominic Cooper and Ruth Nega are so electric together. Even at the end, when she rolls up in the car, and just the looks they give each other, I'm like, those two, those two kids, they just gotta, <laughs> they just gotta work it out, man. <laughs> they gotta figure this shit out <laughs> now that i know the horrible truth <laughs> when she's like when she pulls up and she's looking over her sunglasses she's like 
are you okay? And like that, this kind of thing. I was like, oh man, is she reading the script? <laughs> or is this about more than just the show? <sighs> I choose to believe she wanted to know if he was okay. Maybe. It's been a long season. Okay? Yeah. yeah it's, been a, it's been a rough road for those two. <laughs> <sighs> One can only hope. Maybe for season four. <clears throat> we'll see. Yeah. Um... Oh, I had more God notes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear the God notes. Uh, I was just really excited that he, uh, yeah, the, for Christ's sake, he killed a man. It was really awesome. I just love how sassy he is. Yes. He should be because he is in the book. He's kind of a dickhead in the book. He's a little sassy too. Well, Tulip, Tulip calls him a dick and yeah. then she walks away and he's like, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Well, like, and even the, the way he kind of tells her like, I was going to help you. I was going to show you that I'm a kind and merciful God, but if you're going to be a bit of a bitch, I'm not going to do it. And she's like, she calls bullshit. And he's like, well, all right, then we'll just enjoy the view. And he's just like, he hasn't just, he is not as like straight up. Like, I mean, you're making that choice, but if you're saying no, that's cool with me. He's just kind of like, well, we'll sit here and enjoy the view then. And just kind of looks out on his creation and it's just so sassy and i love that the girl is like his biker walk this chick walks up and he's like yeah i see you i'll be there give me a second <laughs> it was the best i was like who's I this i just have to get time going again yeah hold on i gotta resume the world <laughs> i just loved his like yeah i see you give me a second <laughs> Wish, i'm sorry would she get impatient waiting on god oh so awesome and it's a different girl than the last time yeah oh yeah too. yeah yeah so it was god's, hilarious. god's getting around I was just thinking before this ep- before this episode even aired that I lo- I was just reminiscing about the shot when she was driving and he just yep. alongside her on the bike and how awesome and creepy that was and, and I was just like man I'm so glad they got that stuff in this season we finally got there like that element from the book is different but I like it a lot I really love how they adapted it I just need a season four where Mark Harlick's in the main titles and he's a main cast member. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tempted to agree with you, but I I like I like him just kind of sprinkled yeah, throughout. That's true. It's kind of the way he needs to be. That's but, fair. Yeah, and I'm sure that's more in line with the comics. Yeah, but. he just kind of needs to pop because he's not in it that much. He but he does come around at certain key moments. Well, and neither neither were neither were uh, uh, Ian Coletti and that's true. And that's uh, true. But they're Noah not. Taylor, but, but they're not God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although one of them is Hitler. So. <laughs> no, it's funny too in the book because he does kind of keep reappearing and it's kind of always in the exact same context he keeps telling somebody to tell jesse to stop bothering him and it starts to get really funny (laughs) when god's like i'm gonna help you but you gotta tell jesse to to quit it out man (laughs) it starts to get like this really good running (laughs) gag it'll be funny to see if they choose to to do that as well i I really don't know what they're gonna do with him that's the thing because he is really good yeah clearly they're like really nailing that stuff so and those effects always look really good like even the one where like the weird light was like emanating from the dog, I was like, this works really well, and the effects in this. Other, I mean, there's a lot of bad ones. I think it, yeah, I don't know. I think they just wanted to show more of a battle than they could. Yeah, probably classic, classic pitfall. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. Tulip leaves from that point, and the saint gets the bus going. He plucks out Sydney's eyes, which is fine. Sure. Whatever. I do. Th- I do like the the woman who plays her. I think she's good. Yeah, I think so too. I just don't really. They're not doing much with it. No. Yeah. All right. Act three. Acarius lets Cassidy down from the pool table, and they share a drink of Cassidy's quote unquote coolant. 
They decide to celebrate Cassidy's repentance with a blood ceremony, and Mrs. Rosen volunteers. Cassidy convinces Acarius to have them both bite her simultaneously, and as Acarius goes to bite Mrs. Rosen, he notices she has bite marks already. He wonders what's going on and looks around the room. The children of blood swarm Acarius, and they get him affixed to the table. Mrs. Rosen announces she called 87 of the flown children, and none of them responded. And Acarius asks Cassidy, uh, what's next, and if he'll go back to his loveless and lonely existence. Cassidy responds, well, yeah, probably, but first dinner time, and the children feast on Acarius. Uh, We've already talked about that a bit. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll pause there before we get to the tomb fight. I guess because I think that'll be more a little bit. Well, we've talked about that a little bit too. But any thoughts on on Acarius at this point? What about his death? How did you feel about his death? It's fine. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Acarius for the time that he had in this season, but I think it was it was fine. It was he didn't overstay his welcome once again. Yep. So <coughs> that was good. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole. The plan of it all, to me, never felt surprising, I guess. It's just the thing that I'm a little disappointed yeah, with. Yeah, I could agree. So I didn't have a lot invested in that storyline, so I, it didn't bother me as much. Yeah. But yeah, I could see you like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. well, and it just felt so much of like Acarius is much more powerful than Cassidy, and Cassidy knows that. And so like, for it to come out to be this battle of wits where the wool is over Acarius's eyes the whole time like I guess I maybe wanted him to be a little more formidable and I wanted Cassidy to be a little more like it's that hubris man yeah they got him yeah that's fair that's very fair Uh, (laughs) hubris all right and then the second part of act three (laughs) all right before TC can introduce the tomb fight Jesse and Jody begin wailing on each other they both get quite a few licks in until Jesse hits Jody in the face with a nailed two by four Jesse eventually drops the fuck communism lighter he got off of Jody, and Jody notices it. Jody got the lighter from John Custer the night that he killed him, and Jesse clearly remembers that night. Jesse uses a chain to best Jody and smashes his head on the wall repeatedly. As Jesse commands TC to get uh, two cans of gasoline, Jody gets back up and says, Proud of you, boy, and falls over dead. TC spreads the gasoline, and Jesse says it's time to go, but Jody, uh, uh, TC decides to remain behind. He knows Angelville was bad and all, but he's got nowhere else to go. Uh, TC wanting to always introduce the fight and say the, the motherless goat humpers line. Yep. It's quite good. And wearing the hat, of course. Fantastic. I thought it was a good fight. It, once again, well choreographed for the most, far, most part. It didn't like... The ending was weird to me. With the chain? Yeah, yeah, I was the watching physics it. of it all. Yeah, I was watching it going, how is this working? Yeah. Well, in my brain at the end was kind of like, well, you know, it's like, have you, have, uh, did we watch the, yeah, we watched the Drunken Master, right? On yeah. Film, yeah. The, like, momentum-y shit that you can do with, like, a rope that he does in that, mo- in that movie, I imagine is only intensified by the mass of, like, a wrought iron chain. Okay. So the idea that he would be able to like whip Jody into the wall with the chain's momentum maybe works, but it feels really weird. <laughs> I think it works against a mere mortal. Against okay. Jody, I was kind of like, I don't know about this. <laughs> also, the par- the part where the chain's around his neck and Jody's doing this, I was like, that looks yeah. terrible. <laughs> He's like trying to pull Jesse closer. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is nope. Try try again. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
But all in all, I think I'm being really harsh on this episode. I mean, I am, but it is what it is. Uh, for the most part, yeah, I, I loved all the the, the fisticuffs stuff. Yeah. Like watching those two hand to hand fight is really fun. Dominic Cooper's so like little and wiry, and Jody's just such a big shambling mass of a dude that it's uh, it's fun to watch the two of them go head to head. And TC just kind of take a seat and then yep. say, "Well, okay, we'll see what happens." <laughs> yeah, yeah, TC man goes out like a champ. He does go out like a champ, and it's it's so sad to me like and i I wasn't expecting that at all at like the (laughs) beginning of the season to be like man yeah me neither i'm bummed he's gone he's gonna be gone i thought for sure that of the two tc was gonna be the one where you're gonna be like thank god like (laughs) kill it with fire and let's never look back because he's so gross in the comics like could not be more different he is kind of weirdly lovable in the show even though he's still a really nasty dude but at least, I don't know. Yeah, in the end there, he's kind of like, you know, I know it was wicked and, and evil and wrong and all, but you got no I have nowhere else. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of sad. It is It is very sad. It's sad that, he, I mean, that he and Jody were both kind of turned into these things by grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really, you still don't really understand the nature of their relationship, like who they are in relation to each other. They're just there. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Jesse getting the lighter back was really cool. I'm glad we got to flash back to his, to the moment of his dad's death to kind of yeah. get to kind of close that off. Now we understand that Jesse has gotten revenge on Jody, but like I said, that moment should have been a lot bigger to me. It should have been a way bigger deal. It it's also strange to me. There's, there was no John Custer other than that in this season. Yeah, that's a great point actually. I mean, even like I, I have expected John Wayne to appear next to him at at the end of that moment and been like, yeah, Good give, job, Give him partner. the silent thumbs up, yeah, or like yeah. hand him the Zippo and be like, this, I believe this belongs to you kind of thing. I actually, at the end of the episode when he's in the pickup truck and he's in the camera, moves around him to reveal young Jesse, I thought for sure it was going to be John Wayne. Uh, or that he'd see him in the rear view, like standing in the road, kind of like sending him off, like John Wayne will stay behind at Angelville to keep an eye on it and make sure that they don't, that nothing happens there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's kind of what got him through the coffin. I expected some kind of something there and because there was no wrap up of that particular element which i think is so badass and i don't i feel like i'm not alone in thinking that but no. it's such a cool thing and to just kind of isolate it to that one episode and just be like, yeah. it feels like a one-off when it should have been more than that yeah well, it was a golden opportunity yeah and the uh use of the the hymn was mm. so so good it was uh oh shoot what's it called is it i it's, i think it's called i gave my life for the it's the name of the hymn. That's how it started. Plays. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> really good. Yeah. Feels like the first time they really used like actual hymnal in any like they've used a lot of like source music, which is fine. It's all worked really well for the most part, or like original score, but it uh <clears throat> it really occurred to me in that scene. I was like, this is really, really, really effective. I almost said it's super effective. <laughs> like a Pokemon in reference. <laughs> I thought it was really a, a really effective way to get that to get the mood across and it, it, it conveyed both like a sense of like triumph but at the same time some reverence and some kind of sadness and hymns are that way. They're they're so complex in terms of what they can do. Yeah. And I grew up a relatively regular churchgoer. I have a lot of musical family and uh my grandma's a choir director at our family church. It was my whole life. 
And so I spent a lot of time around that kind of stuff and that kind of music. And I think the hymns are so amazing because they can put you in dramatically different moods depending on how you feel going into it, what the context of the particular service you're yeah. in uh, is, if it's a celebration or if it's something sad, if it's a, <coughs> you know, if it's like a wake or a funeral versus like a, a wedding or something like that, they can all, the same hymn can be really different for you in a lot of different ways, which I think is really cool about them. I've always really enjoyed a lot of the old church hymns and that kind of stuff. So when it came in, I was really into it. I was like, this is really, really cool. I kind of want more of that from the show. Yeah, I mean, you would think for, for a show called Preacher that they'd <coughs> get into that a little bit more, but they've kind of focused on being a little more wacky and mm-hmm. pop culture-y and stuff like that. So we'll see. Maybe it'll Yeah, I would like... I, I, I like the... I kind of gave it this like... Man, the metaphor's not coming to me. <laughs> I, I what you said is is just right, and I've kind of felt since this series started that it's kind of got this like twist of Tarantino to it, where they're going for like this over the top kind of wacky violence and and finding humor in violence and violence in humor and that kind of thing, which is fine. I think it works really well, but taking something as simple as that musical selection in in tandem with that awesome crane shot of jesse walking and just revealing the whole property yeah it just elevated it to something beyond what someone like that could do and i thought like okay here we're getting we're hitting a real moment here of some like some something higher which i I thought was really really cool and i like to me and this is all this is not informed by much other than my opinions of the people involved it feels more like the sam catlin school of breaking bad that he came out of than uh, goldberg and rogan like we're going to play up the Tarantino-ness of it, as you said. So Yeah, to, to take some some raw materials like that and turn them into something, to turn even just a moment of an episode into something really special. Like, I wanted to go back and rewatch just that one sequence because I thought it was so good. It's even not even... It's just kind of calling it like it is rather than this, like... For a show called Preacher, I feel like I often forget that Jesse's a preacher. Sure. You know? But to bring in that him and and kind of display it that way, and also to just kind of use it in this depiction of his mission, I think it was really powerful. Yeah, and I'm sure if you sat down and read the lyrics to the hymn, it probably would have a lot of meaning too. Yeah, absolutely. I liked the particular version of it though too, just like a men's choir singing. Yeah. It was really really effective. And and even though there was a uh, there was a joke literally overlaid over it with like the texting, yeah, it was done in a way that was like more stylish and like I thought it was cool and it worked and it wasn't like I, even just the thumbs up like I laughed but combining the sweet and saltiness of like the really serious him with the with the moment of death and and not just like death but like I mean character deaths will always get to you when you're yeah. watching a show but characters who kind of greet death like that or like embrace it or kind of do it on their own terms i've always thought like those are really chilling in some particular way (laughs) man like the movie the gray have you seen the gray yes the gray is like loaded with those there's like eight of them it feels like characters that are like i'm gonna go out on my own term they have like these moments (laughs) and that movie oh my god i could not have i cannot recall like a more sobering theater experience than that movie and a movie with such a mixed bag of reactions, the group I went and saw it with, we all left with like, these wildly different outlooks after that movie. And I remember being like, man, I feel sad. Because, <laughs> like, it was 
scary first of all but there's like a lot of characters in there who are just like yeah i'm gonna die and i've made my peace with it and i'm just gonna like let it happen or like i'm gonna i'm gonna face it and like those kind of deaths are always the most impactful yeah They're not always the saddest but they always have a a special kind of air around them. So TC well, kind of choosing to stay behind and be like, yeah, I'm going to go up in flames with Angelville. I was like, damn, this is like, and it was fun. not something that I would have expected out of him, but it happening to me felt very natural. Mm-hmm. So that I think was maybe the, the biggest part of it for me. It was like, I didn't see that being TC's end. Like I could have, you know, TC's one of those guys where I'm like, he's going to have a heart attack having sex with a goat or something like that. And that's the way that he's going to die. But for him to like have that acceptance of his fate and to have it go down that way was not any, I didn't see that coming from miles away. Yeah. And, and for him to understand that there's nowhere in the real world for him. Yeah. I did like too that he asked Jesse, like, like he was prepared for, to be killed by Jesse. And he's like, aren't you going to kill me? And he's like, no man, I don't, I don't hate you that much. Yeah. I hate you, but not that much. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jesse just kind of like, all right, that's, that's what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was one of my favorite sequences of the whole season. Yeah. It's definitely going to, that one is going to hang with me. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. All right. Act four. Jesse uses the word on grandma to release himself from the debt and to release Tulip from her ties to grandma. Grandma tries to convince him to leave her alive with all of the souls that Tulip, Jody, and Featherstone collected, but Jesse wants to kill Grandma. She reveals that she's made a new deal with the devil where if Jesse kills her, he will be the one that goes to hell. Jesse falters and decides to move on without officially killing Grandma, but he forces her to destroy the souls so she can't live much longer. As Jesse heads out of Angelville in Jody's truck, his younger self sits beside him and convinces him to return to Grandma and finish the job. He carries out his original plan and straps Grandma to her soul removal apparatus, and he relishes the sunlight in the foyer before picking up the gas can. Bruce Bruce wrote in on our uh, Discord and said, I think maybe some bits were slightly rushed this season, but on the whole it worked. Uh... I feel like this somehow this this being grandma's last scene felt a little rushed to me. It did not have the gravity to it that I was hoping it would. I agree. Um And I I guess maybe my question here is is this and feel free to beat around the bush a little bit if grandma dies in the comic which i presume she does okay how does this death line up with that one like do you do you feel like it lives up to to what happened in the comic with grandma uh is it hard to even make that comparison well yeah because she doesn't really have she doesn't have the soul soul machine Uh, yeah her appearance by the end was pretty cool. It yeah. was pretty close to, to, to the, the way she yeah, looks the, when she's alive in the yep. comic. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't have the same weight because Grandma's still not as evil in the show as she is in the book. Like in the, it's the same situation with Jody, really. Like in the show, I wasn't like 
it's tough because to make a character in in a show in live action as compelling as they did, it, it's it you got to do something different, and I do understand that. Like I, but when I saw Grandma in the show, I didn't immediately just like like want to recoil and be like, ugh, like just kill her already. Like she's a big nasty spider. You yeah. you kind of accept her as another character in the show, <clears throat> and I. I can't fault the actors at all for this because they're really good. Yeah. Like Betty Buckley was awesome. So was Jeremy Childs. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sort of a mismanagement of priorities. And another big reason... Okay. It's kind of a spoiler for the book. I think I mentioned it before, though. Did I talk about the word at all and how it relates to them? And... No, you you so you mentioned in our season wrap up that we should talk about some traits that they share, that TC and Jody and Grandma, yeah, something about them. Um, it's a. So I guess anybody who wants to, <laughs> <laughs> a, any anyone who who wants to remain unspoiled as they go to watch read read the books. Like this isn't, I guess, unless they recycle it for somebody else in the show, or like, not likely. All right, we're gonna talk about a just, book. Just spoiler. Skip ahead like ninety seconds. Skip, skip ahead, yeah. Give it, give it like two minutes, three um, minutes. Unless tops. Alex makes a big note that says Nick lied. Skip eight minutes because he <laughs> he talked too much. Well, here, go ahead. All right. So when Jesse gets to Angel, but when he first sees Jody, the he uses the word on him and it doesn't work. Okay. The word does not work on Jody, TC, or Grandma. And he tries using it on her when they first get to Angelville, when Jody and TC take him there. And she says, oh, Jen, the word, your power is not going to work on me. I have the Lord on my side. And she says that in the kind of a cryptic manner. But anyway, the word does not work on them initially. It does eventually. But I think that The show, by continuing to drag out this Jesse without Genesis thing for as long as they did, it kind of handicaps some of the some of the threat you're able to give them. Because when Jesse walks in and goes to use the word, and it has no effect, and they just grin at him, and then Jody beats the shit out of him and is like, "Sorry, kid," it's so awesome. And you're like, "Oh my god!" Like his golden gun has no bullets right now; it cannot yeah. work on these people. What is he gonna do? It raises the stakes so much. And by not having that element in the show, it kind of strips away some of the threat. But it did make it pretty awesome, though, when he does roll up. But, you know, see, the impact would have been tenfold if he had been going the whole season without being able to use the word on them. And then it's And then all of a sudden, he, the but well, then he, if it does work in the end, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, yeah, here we go. And now they're going to get what's coming to him. So it was cool. Like grandma's reaction when it happened was cool. It was again, it was not so different from TC's where she like is immediately. Frame, stri- yeah. I did love when he's like, say my dad is paid and the thing immediately bursts into flames. I was like, yep. oh, that was really cool. Like yep. there were little things like that. I really liked, but anyway, that's where I'll end that spoiler. <clears throat> um, I think I stayed within 90 seconds. I think so. Okay. I think you're okay. So anyway, but yeah, there grandma's just not as disgusting as like loathsome, in the show, I feel like in, as in the book. And I think it's a lack. I think the big problem with the season for me, and this will be a small preview of my feelings in our wrap up episode. 
and I, it's rare for me to ask this of a show, but I think we needed more flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not common that I find myself being, you know what I really want? More shit that already happened that doesn't have much of a bearing on this story. But in order to really fully realize the magnitude of the villains and completely like nail the the victory of like the heroes winning you i think you needed a little bit more of actually seeing some of that stuff happen and like even in season like one and two they did a better job of building up the coffin with like all the terrifying sound effects and that look in jesse's eye when he would hear it and like flash back to it and then it happens and it's like yeah here's here's the thing <laughs> and here he's gonna be in it for a while and then he's gonna get out and then the show will go on but you, you they built it up so well and then by not showing him as a youth like being tortured by these people showing his mom trying to raise him and like living in a constant state of fear and because in the book uh they all live there together for a while him mm-hmm. and him and john and his mom <clears throat> When they're caught, when Jody and TC catch up with uh, uh, Christine, Christina, Christina, yeah, when they catch up with her with John and Jesse, they don't know that she has a husband and a son, and they bring them all back to Angelville. And Grandma's like, "You all will live here, and as long as you live here, I won't murder <laughs> the two men, like Christina." But so they're they're like a three way checkmate, basically. In order for them to all stay safe, they have to comply, basically, yeah. and that's Jesse's childhood. And like when you, like if you like tomorrow or tonight or whatever found, you know, got those five, six issues, Angelville and Preacher and you read it, I feel like you would come back to the season of the show and go, yeah, they didn't do enough. <laughs> they didn't go hard enough because it really paints such a vivid picture of how bad those people are, how much Jesse has gone through. And it makes you realize like it's a miracle. He's like a good guy still. And that's actually what Tulip says in the comic when, because Jesse, they spend a whole issue pretty much tied up in this room, like talking. And Jesse, like, there's all there's almost an entire two issues that are just flashback, and they're so good. And it's basically him telling Tulip all about like his childhood. And by the end of it, she's like in tears, and she's like, "I am so sorry. I never knew this is like the level of evil and depravity that you were put through." And he's like, "Yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh?" <laughs> and when you're reading it, you're just like, "Oh my god, that's unbelievable." that a character can still be a good guy. And it, it kind of helps build up that like larger than life character that Jesse is, which is kind yeah. of fun, I think. And maybe, maybe it wouldn't work in live action. It's wholly possible that it wouldn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I can see all of that. Like I, I, I think eventually when I do read these comics, because I do want to, I'm feeling more of a pull to read something right now than I typically do. <laughs> 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 but uh it um how much pull is that <laughs> <laughs> some <laughs> it soon <laughs> i think mainly for me is that i just wanted it to feel like i don't know i don't i i don't know if i just didn't quite feel the cas- the catharsis that jesse should have had and maybe if that a little more of that was there, like maybe I needed him like there's not much room to breathe after it happens for Jesse to kind of be like, like he says the words of like, 
when he when he comes back to kill her, like I always would have Angel or no, when the first time when he says that he wants to kill her, he's like, I had Angelville on the back of my mind for the past twenty years or whatever it was. That's all well and good, but I didn't see him reacting or feeling the fact that he finally toppled this thing that has been weighing on him forever. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's coming, but I just feel like I needed it now rather than... It's also a little weird because in the show, he pretty much walks away voluntarily and there couldn't be further from the truth in the book. Yeah. So that I also thought was strange. I'm like, why would she... You mean as younger Jesse? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, why would she let him leave? Like yeah. that is so different and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I did also want to say at the top of the episode when he explains to her that he wants to leave to go check up on the girl in Texas, I think that informs a little bit more about why Grandma feels the way she does about Tulip. Yeah. She is the first one. That's a great point. Like Tulip is the thing that pulled him away. Yep. And will can always do so. Yes. Until yeah. the end of the world. Yep. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, you're I agree. I, I could have used a little bit more out of him in that moment. I mean he does all he really does is like he kinda closes his eyes for a minute and like then we see him standing in like the, the, foyer, the hallway, yeah. yeah, with that gas can. But I, I, yeah, just a little bit more like him, kind of even walking through the house for like an extra second, kind of drinking it in. Like I'm gonna burn this bitch down. Like would have been, or like even finding that photo of his mom with him, yeah, on the bookshelf, and like him like taking it and being like, "All right, this okay. is what I will keep of my family." Yeah, or something that's a, like it that. reminds me of the end of Batman Begins when uh, Wayne Manor has burned yeah. to the ground and he finds He's his dad's stethoscope. stethoscope. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. It yep. takes seconds and it immediately makes it clear and you're just like, boom, that's that's tremendous. Yeah. I mean, originally when I was saying this to you like three minutes ago, I was like, <laughs> the thing that came up to me was like Captain Phillips, where he's sitting on the exam table. Oh, and my you God. You see him like. Don't even talk about it. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but that's not very Jesse. It's so good. It is really good. You're right. That's not very Jesse, but you want some sort of sign of release, even if it's him just like sitting down in front of Angelville and like, I don't know, cracking a whiskey bottle and taking a swig and throwing it into the fire. Or or if he, yeah. Or if he like sat down on the step took a drag of his smoke and then threw it behind him and blew up the house or something like that. Like anything like that, just to kind of see him Honestly, contemplating and another him, and another him would have done it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> would have been really good. True. The same one just comes back in. <laughs> <laughs> they just fade it back up. <laughs> Some creepy guy at the soundboard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like taking an extra beat there to show some sort of effect. And yeah. the thing is, like, you're you are right. That's not very Jesse, but no one else is there, and it pro- it provides Jesse a moment to feel something. Like, yeah. well, because Cass does it for a second. Yeah. In oh, this episode, oh, yeah. and it's beautiful. It's it's wonderful, <laughs> and the look on his face immediately after is even better. Yep. But yeah, even just a second for him to just like let out like a fucking yell of like he did it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Act five. With Icarus dead, the children of blood are already bored and looking for a purpose that Cassidy can't give them himself. Cass gets a call from Tulip who's checking up on him and wants to come see him. Cass says he's safe, but he gets choked up until Hoover arrives for a party. Tulip is confused at Hoover arriving, but Cassidy says it's all right and he's thankful for her call and that he'll see her soon. 
Cloaked in black lips, uh, cloaked and in black lipstick, Hoover <laughs> offers Cassidy a present, an umbrella. Cassidy is confused, but the house starts rumbling, and the basement fills with light as the Grail lifts the house off of its foundation, and the children of blood burn up in the sunlight. Only Cassidy and Hoover remain, and Featherstone hits Cassidy with a ho- with a whale tranquilizer dart, as Star looks on. As the Grail chopper chopper drops the house into the Gulf of Mexico, two Humperdoo pass each other on the street. Tulip pulls up to the basement of Mrs. Rosen's house and finds Mrs. Rosen and her son or grandson made it out by hiding in Cass and Acarius's coffins. They inform Tulip that people dressed in white took Cassidy and she curses God. I really like how you pluralized Humperdue. <laughs> it's just, it, that's just the way I wrote it. I was like, yeah, it's Humperdue, right? That's got to be the plural. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Humperdues is like okay, but Humperdue is like <laughs> yeah, that's the plural. Yeah, uh, man, I love that. That's awesome. Two yeah. two Humperdue pass each other on the street. <laughs> oh boy, yes. Uh, the guys in the in the Discord called it. It's yes. going to be the uh, the running gag. <laughs> yeah, Bruce said when they showed the two wandering Humperdue in the streets, it made me think that Where's Waldo game had begun. <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> Beautiful. It wasn't very where's Waldo when one walked right in the foreground. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Found him. Um, yes, Cassidy being emotional mm-hmm. on the phone with Tulip was quite wonderful. Yeah, it was really, it was touching. I feel like even if it had been Jesse who had called him, he might have reacted the same way. Like, yeah. I don't think it was just because it was Tulip. Yeah. I mean, probably to a degree, but... You it know, could it, have been either of them. Yeah, it's, it'd be like a really homesick kid at like camp, and you'd talk to one of your parents on the phone, and you just get emotional because. Or even your brother calls up and he's like, "How's camp, yeah. St- idiot?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dumb, dumb. Yeah, and you just get emotional because it's a connection that mm-hmm. you you didn't know you were missing so much. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I thought. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, what was even funnier was when he hangs up the phone. He has an extra moment of sadness, and he goes. And he puts on this face of like <laughs> over the top, like I'm fine, and it, like, <laughs> it just really made me laugh. It's there for like a split second, but it was so funny, and I was yeah. like, "Man, he is such a rock star." Uh, Hoover showing up, saying, "Where's the party?" It was really funny with his, his, uh, I, his makeup. Like, looking at his lips, I was like, "Are his? Li- uh, does he have black lipstick on?" And then when you see him in the sunlight, and it's like he definitely has black. Oh, lipstick for sure, on. yeah, it's <laughs> so funny. I just started laughing so. Yeah, hard. the. Uh, <laughs> It's funny. I really like that what they've done with the Grail, where like they act really inept and they screw up and they screw up and screw up. But when they, when they, when they nail when they it, think about a plan for a minute. <laughs> it was really effective. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it seemed a little bit like a sledgehammer doing the job of a scalpel. You know, it's the you know the fact that we're gonna lift this house up because it's filled with vampires is really great. It was awesome. But it, you know, yeah. It was very grail, and I loved that seeing it, the helicopter in the distance, just the two <laughs> helicopters flying away with the damn house. Yep. So I was like, this is really good. This is perfect grail. Yeah. I love Tuber 2. I lied. The benefits are great. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what's got him on. I wanted to go back real quick. I forgot to mention in the previous episode the moment where Hoover's deciding if he wants to be turned, and he says, uh, it's, it's, somebody says, uh, I think he like, says like all sunlight. No, no, no. The moment where he's like, I can't die. My mother'd be mad. My mother, she'd be upset. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was awesome. That was incredible. 
Sorry, I just wanted to go no, back. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. that. It was really funny. But um, my mother'd be upset. He's not worried about himself. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> his mother. Would he's be thinking upset. of his mom at yeah. the moment that he's going to be a vampire. Sweetie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, the, really, the only complaint that I had about it, uh, and, and it was something that I think Bruce brought up too, the the like weird green screening that they did uh, of like up above the basement when like Tulip is looking down in. Oh, yeah, ground. that was terrible. It was really obviously like, ooh. Hey. But the weird thing is once all the sunlight was coming in, I was like, man, were those wine bottle racks there the whole time? Because like the basement looked really awesome after the house was <laughs> taken away. I was like, this is a sweet basement. And I didn't realize how sweet it was. Icarius's lair. Yeah. There were just these wine wine racks that like went up a full like story. <laughs> and they, they, I don't know. Let's go back and look at it. It's interesting. It worked. Yeah. But uh, the yeah. actual shot of Cassidy hiding in the umbrella was pretty cool. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As as things are that. See, that was really good. That type of like we want to show this action from a very limited perspective. Like they found the way they found uh, a way in which their limitations of budget or whatever it was. Yeah. Worked for them. Absolutely. No, that worked great. Whereas the you know the earlier fight with Sydney pulling limbs <laughs> off and shadows dropping out of the 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 smoke the way it did like it looked like a like a Newgrounds flash animation. Yeah, that's actually a great way to put it. <laughs> like that's exactly Man, Newgrounds. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So no, it was a good sequence. Uh, any other thoughts about that stuff? It's pretty straightforward. Mrs. Rosen, the Rosens surviving was pretty good. I like, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I was, I was glad that uh, that the Rosens got away. I didn't. Is do we know if he's her son or her grandson? Do you know? I don't. I would guess grandson. It feels like a. It feels like it, but I also feel like he could be like thirty, and she's like maybe eighty. That put her in grandma territory. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, that makes sense. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Then finally, Act 6 here. Eugene pleads with Satan and lets him know that even though he's a bad person, it's never too late to change that. Satan backhands him and the saint, uh, and gives the saint his weapons. Satan asks the saint for the name of the preacher that the saint wants to kill, and the saint reveals that it's Jesse, which fits in nicely with Satan's plans. As Satan is about to let the saint go... The saint asked if the crows who attacked his family were his idea, and Satan says he was in the room, but ultimately it was God who did it. The saint pulls his gun on Satan and kills him, causing little imps to fly out of his head. The saint realizes Eugene was right and that he wasn't meant to be in hell, so he takes him and goes to leave. Hitler tries to join him, but is rebuffed, and however, he takes a look at the contracts on Satan's desk and realizes he's right where he needs to be. Sidney falls into line and offers him a plum cake, as he sits down at Satan's desk. Let's pause there for a second. Are you as dismayed as I am that Hitler made it out of this season alive? Yes. <laughs> and now he's the king of hell? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want to say about it. I feel like there's a world where we could just never cut to hell again. That's the idea. Like In the book, this happens. The saint kills Satan with his guns, yeah. and it's awesome. And then you don't go back to hell. Like, you stay on Earth where the damn story is. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, hopefully that is the case. 
but who knows? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, I don't know. That's all we need to say about it. Unless mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, the saint killing Satan. Oh, was that? it was great. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was. I think it worked well. Do you think Satan's totally dead? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he better be. Yeah. That's the thing. Those guns, the saint, the saint killer's guns. There's no coming back from that. No. So. He that happens in the book, and it's even more hilarious and awesome. Like it just happens. Satan's not really a character. You're just in hell, and you just see the sin killer kills him. You're like, oh my god! So <laughs> God has left, and Satan is dead, <laughs> and the sin killer has killed him. Beautiful. It's a good way to raise the stakes again on the guy who got run over by the tank like a wimp, <laughs> killed the Prince of Darkness <laughs> with one round. Well, it, and I guess we didn't talk about that. The fact that he just stands up after he blows the tank up, it's pretty good. Yeah. But the fact that he was stopped by the tank at all was really dumb. Yes. So. Shouldn't have happened with his superheated knife. Yeah. Um, the timeline is weird because if Satan and God were still on speaking terms when the saint was made into the saint of killers, essentially, that was in 18 something. Yeah. Seems like. Seems like old Lucifer fell from heaven a little while before that to me. Unless unless all the. Unless the bodies got together and said we're gonna make uh, this, but this. that's it's not really. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't really understand how it would work, but I got the impression that it was a. It was a. It was the a, devil and God are <coughs> are forging plans for something rather than you know before <coughs> before the the devil fell. <coughs> I'm sure that's the case, but it's weird. Yeah, uh, something maybe to pay attention to. Seems like Eugene's on track now, kind of. To be angry at yeah. Jesse, yeah, yeah. you you are correct. <laughs> Got there three seasons later. <laughs> yeah, and then I feel like if he falls in line, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna start to not care about him because I don't care about him <laughs> in that role in the book. So, how do you feel about Eugene and the Saint being paired off, though? Like that's fine for now, I guess. Yeah. But ultimately, I want it. I want them to go their separate ways. Yeah, you feel like the Even Saint they, will get them to like the main street and. And then say bye. Yeah. Yeah. He should. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're both kind of after the same thing for a while, but they don't do it together. Yeah. Uh, what, but what do you think about the fact that the saint was receptive to the fact that Eugene? I think that makes there? sense. Like he's not, he's not without his own sort of moral code. Yeah. He doesn't want innocent people to be in hell. And if any innocence got in his way, if they weren't, I guess, in his way is a weird way to phrase it. He wouldn't go out of his way to kill innocent people. He's going to kill bad people. He's going to kill people that are trying to, to actively stop him. Yeah. But other than that, like, he's not going to want to hurt anybody that doesn't, yeah. doesn't need to be. And I guess the point that, like, Satan wanted this kid down here, and now the saint is kind of like, I don't give a shit about what Satan thinks because he's one of the reasons that my family died the horrible death they did. Yep. I guess it all lines up. So it also puts the saint on a bit of a different quest than he was on before. Now that now that he's aimed at like God, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was one. I came out of that kind of wondering. I was like, all right. So he wanted to kill Jesse. Do we know why he wants to kill Jesse? I'm sure we do. But other I, than like, I like forgot now. <laughs> Fiori and DeBlanc put him on Jesse. But like. I was wondering how much would this revelation override his 
need to kill Jesse? I think that's a great question that you're asking yourself right now. Because the season four where the saint and Jesse work together to achieve a thing. I think you're asking the right questions. A, a season four where the saint goes to Masada to face this beautiful army of grail men. Oh my god. <laughs> Please bring it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's continue with the recap real quick That's here. That's all I'll say. I think you're I think you're sniffing on the right trail there. Yeah. Uh Tulip pulls up to Angelville to pick up Jesse and they both look a little worse for wear, but Jesse explains that family is overrated and they head out. Uh which is all well and good. That's we already it. talked yeah. about that a little bit. Sure did. But then the final little bit here, we cut to Cassidy at the bottom of a cell in Masada with a winged creature chained above him. Star stands with Hoover and explains his favorite torturer from Bensonhurst is flying in. Hoover knows that it's Frankie Toscani. Mm-hmm. Star wonders if Hoover's hat is a mockery of him, but Hoover tries to explain that he he is a vampire. Star removes the hat and Hoover burns to death. Featherstone walks up and will look into getting a new Hoover, but she's really wondering how they'll get Jesse to be their messiah after all that has happened. Star isn't interested in that anymore. He just wants to torture and kill Jesse. He says, I'm tired of chess matches, Flufferman. It's time to play some fucking checkers. The camera pulls out and reveals the entire Grail military force at Masada awaiting awaiting Jesse Custer. Oh, man. See, here's the thing. (laughs) We blew our load a little bit with Masada last last episode, I guess. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, how uh... way to just leave the show in a place where all the comic, all the readers are going to be like, yeah, <laughs> like there's there's no way if you've read the book you can't be excited for this. And likewise, as a viewer, if you haven't read the book, you got to be like, well, that's a promise of a good time right there <laughs> in season four. Yeah, I got to be honest, it left me kind of wondering, especially after our conversation last week, like, what was the need of really bringing the Allfather in this early? Bingo. Yeah. Because otherwise, what the hell is season four about other than, I mean, I guess it could be about getting to Masada, but once you're there, lead's going to fly, and that's that. I mean, they need to get... Like, I guess the thing is, is like, will Jesse feel the need to go to Masada to save Cassidy? And I think and hope the answer is yes. But like, I can't imagine we're going to get a full season of them journeying there or full season of them being there. Uh-uh. Like, it feels like it will be. a. It is definitely. A like. It's tough because it's an awesome place to end a season, but unless season four is going to be f- six episodes, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like it, it's kind of like a second half of the season kind of thing. Like if if yeah. this season had been like first half Angelville, second half Masada, or like kind of concurrently, which is actually not so far off from how it happens in the book, it would have been really cool. It would have been a really stacked season. Yeah, but I they did a lot of cool stuff in this season with even the slower moments with the characters. So I'm I'm into it. It's fine. It needed more flashback, but that's it. But yeah, that ending is just so awesome. And I l- there's so much about it that I absolutely loved. Just moment after moment after moment. Cassidy being locked in his pit. Perfect. The captive creature. Uh, awesome. Is it an angel? Yes. Okay. And that's just kind of, I was like, well, and Cass says, holy shit, which, you know, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's really awesome. Frankie Toscani. Also from the book. Okay. Also very cool. 
that that's happening. Uh, Sounds like some type of mob bossy character from New York is, yep. is the idea. Okay. <clears throat> well, not a boss, but like a yeah, a monster. Yeah. Okay. An interrogator. Um, I love. Uh, what does he call her, Flufferman? Yeah. I like that she's basically Dwight from The Office, where like <laughs> she thinks she's in on it, and then she's not. She's the assistant too. Yes, assistant too. Assistant to the head of Samson unit. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, very good, sir. We'll we'll get him here and he'll be our messiah or whatever. And then he's like, no, I don't want him to be my messiah anymore. Like he's, she's one step behind, which is funny. Uh, I'm not convinced Hoover's dead. Mm. He's probably dead. Yeah. But I kind of don't think he is. It's a bummer if he is. Yeah. He's been so good. I, the thing is, I don't want Vampire Hoover running around all the time. Like, yeah. I'm going to miss just regular Hoover. Well, I mean, we've put the idea of cloning people in the Grail's hands. That's the, the fact thing. that the joke was we need another Hoover. If it is literally another Hoover, okay. <laughs> it's in. probably going to be. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. It would be kind of sad to be like, oh, it's not the OG Hoover, but <laughs> he'll think he is, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it could open up the potential for like a, a, a room full of Hoovers later, which would be glorious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, he's just so good. He Malcolm is. Barrett's so good, and I feel like he's got to be kind of a fan favorite that there's no way that they would just... Plus, there's there are things Hoover needs to do still. Like yeah. Hoover, Hoover's throughout the book, so... Mm. But he's he is missing for quite some time, and the reason why is one of the most horrifying things in all of the <laughs> Preacher book, so... It's nothing I can I can elaborate on. Divulge but, as of yet. Um, yeah, he's there. He's there for quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I thought it was an awesome ending sequence. The uh, finale itself, I think it, the problem is with the show in general, and it, you you pointed it out with one very particular plot point. You actually as a viewer, don't know if there's enough drive for Jesse to travel to Masada to save Cassidy. And that's a problem. Yeah. Because he should be 100%, uh, yeah, I'm coming and hell's coming with me. And the fact that you're kind of like, I don't know that the motivation exists. And then me as a reader, knowing what I know and seeing what's on display in the show, I I agree with you 100%. Like there's... Like I think think the... uh things were just so precarious between Jesse and Cassidy this season, but I feel, I really did feel by the end of it that it seemed as though it seemed as though Jesse had kind of made amends with everything and, 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 and does respect Cassidy or maybe not respect, but he does have some amount of love for Cassidy and would maybe. And I guess the thing is, is that I think maybe he would feel I think the problem is that right now he would feel bad about the Grail being the ones taking Cassidy, yeah. Not the fact that Cassidy would be in danger. That's that's actually a great point that he would say no one deserves to be held by them, and he's got the word now, mm-hmm. so it should be trivial. He's a lot more unquote. powerful now than he was, even though we yeah. do see that final beat of Star putting on his his headphones and yep. you know as if as if Jesse's walking up right then, yeah. But, it's kind of a funny over the top bit. Plus, like fighter jets go by, yeah. and kind of <laughs> Chinook helicopters, yeah. several several plateaus of Grail soldiers <laughs> waiting. It was very funny. 
Uh, I want a preacher beat him up video game right now. That's just Jesse working through Masada. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That would be really cool, actually. Like a <laughs> Jesse and Tulip. It's just the Turtles Hyperstone heist with <laughs> with the preacher cast. Yeah, that would be really cool. That would be. I'm surprised they haven't had an iOS like tie in. Yeah, yet. that would be cool for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely. I don't remember the actual final beats of seasons one or two, which probably says something, but. See, okay. So okay, season one ends with the diner. Season one ends with them leaving okay, the diner, that, getting in the car. That was a perfect ending. That was better than this one still. That was perfect. Season, season two, I don't care. Yeah, season, and, season two was, was Tulip, them taking Tulip to Angelville. Ah, you're right. That was grandma. good too. Yeah. Wow, that feels like it just happened. I guess because it did at the beginning of the season. Well, this was a great. This was really, really great. <laughs> a really high note to end on. But it definitely it does not end on a. I mean, if they were like preachers canceled, sorry, you would be like, "Wow, way to just." I have the biggest yeah. case of like television blue balls I'll ever have in my life. <laughs> well, with what you said of like Masada makes sense if the next season's six episodes. What if they were like, "Hey, final season of Preacher, six episodes"? <laughs> like, uh, that would be gross. <laughs> the thing is, like, you could do the you could make it the final season if you really wanted to, but then the Masada bit would be like two episodes long, yeah, two or three episodes. Yeah, there'd be much more ground to cover, I would assume. With yes. Yeah, Masada. I mean, season four has to be like only the first half in Masada, and the second half has to be something else. There's a lot of different places they can go with it now, though. They just they they need to kind of get back on the trail of God because like you, they're just moving from one distraction to another and it's these these big things, these big moments that they do happen in the book, but the stuff in between is kind of them on the road. So I don't know. And and you raised a great point too. When you said you forget that Jesse's a preacher and Mm -hmm. that he, he is a religious character. Like he, he's a man of, like he's not a preacher ironically. I mean he kind of is made to be a preacher by grandma in the book. Like that's that's sort of the vocation she pushes him into. Yeah. But he does really believe in God and he has a lot of faith and that's why his motivation is to find God is because he's angry. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yo, myself and billions of other people or whatever the number is, we believed in you. We believe in you. We're counting on you." Like and not only that, but you made us. You made this shit fix it it's your job to yeah you you don't get to quit kind of thing yeah and that's why he's like gonna find him and shake him down for some answers and kick his ass like it's it's so clean cut i don't know why we're deviating from it and why that like even especially if like we don't know we're gonna get season four right i mean i feel like we gotta i think i think Ultimately, I think we will. I don't know what terms it's going to be in, but I, I think I think it's going to happen. I think and maybe I'm just being optimistic. No, I think Sam Cat AMC owes enough to Sam Catlin to be like, yo, probably not going to pick it up again. Like, and they they may have ended it differently than this amazing like final shot of just the the glory of and power of Masada, and be like, oh, come back for season four. It's going to be a doozy. Yeah. All in all solid finale yeah had a lot of great stuff in it it tied up it tied up everything i wanted it to tie up yeah so that's good it just didn't do everything as well as i wanted it to but a lot of that fault doesn't rest in this episode so much as the season on the whole i have to say i think i honestly think this is my favorite season of preacher oh yeah 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 for sure all together taking taking everything together it was 
very well paced. They were, but I, I'm getting into season wrap up territory. I guess yes, it was a very good finale. I would agree with you. Season one is a close second. Season yeah. one is a great season, and I'm sure when I go back and rewatch it, I'll be like, man, Ken Cannon was such an awesome villain. Yeah, and uh, there, there's a lot there of real worth, but there's no question it's better than season two. Yeah, yeah. It's also it's ten episodes. It's so it's perfect. Could you imagine? Having three more, yeah, I don't know. I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Uh, we did get a little bit f- of feedback real quick from our friend David Steele. He wrote to us on Facebook, said, God, the season of Preacher was great. Uh, is it weird I'm kind of bummed TC and Jody are gone? Question mark. I think the answer to that is no, it's not weird. Uh, and he said, I knew they had to go, but they were such great characters. And he said, I even choked up a little at TC's exit, no matter how weird and perverse he is. Great job on the podcast this season, guys. And hopefully the show gets renewed soon. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Uh, Good to hear from you, dude. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's that's it for this uh, recap part of our season. Mm-hmm. We will be back with a season wrap-up. It is going to happen this year. I promise. I will put my life on the line <laughs> and say that it needs to happen. Let's do it right now, then. <laughs> We're going to play this game of chicken. <laughs> but uh, I will sell my soul to the devil to make it happen. But... Um, we actually didn't talk about that real quick. So is Jesse's contract null and void, do you think? I don't, but it wasn't even like his contract. That's right? what I was going to ask. Can you can you barter someone else's soul? I don't think so. Well, and now that now that there's no God and Satan's playing by his own rules, I guess he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. But I didn't. That was all strange. I took that as null and void. Like I'm choosing to not. Think it is about non-transferable that. to Hitler. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like I don't. It, the institution of hell does not get to <laughs> exert any type of legal standing over Jesse's soul because his grandmother signed it away. Like that to me is stupid. It's a very. If anything, I think what it does is it, and I'm terrified of this, and I don't want it to be true. But it gives Hitler a reason to look into Jesse and why he's so important. That's true. But I don't need any more Hitler in the show. Correct. So forget about it. it. It is a very comic book and kind of preacher convention to have characters like roll the dice and have just things work out. Like the way Cass suddenly, oh, what do I do with all these new followers? Up, oh, they're vaporized. They don't have to worry about it anymore. Jesse, yeah. oh, man. He doesn't even know, though. That, oh, he does know because Graham tells him but. Man, my soul's on the line, but he doesn't know that Satan's dead. So as far as he's concerned, that that contract is still valid. Yeah. Gives him motivation to stay alive other than staying alive. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Whatever. So, yeah. I think that's about it. Uh, as I said, you know, next week we've got Labor Day, but we're going to try and record probably at some point after that or maybe sometime on the weekend if we're free, but we haven't really talked about it yet. So that's inside baseball that we'll discuss after the episode or at a later date. But. All the normal stuff that I say, g2tpodcast.com, g2tpodcast on Twitter, g2tpodcast at gmail.com. Go follow us, talk to us, let us all know. If there's anything that you have lingering after the season, please write in. We can talk about it on our wrap-up show. Yeah. Uh, if you are going to talk about book spoilers, that's fine, but put it in the subject that so that I can know to, to let Nick know that there's something for him to read Ooh. and he can kind of pick it out and figure out how we want to talk about it if mm. we will talk about it on the season wrap-up show um 
Or just join that Discord. Yeah, man. or you can join the Discord. The the show or the book spoiler channel does like it pops up on it's, my screen. And, yeah. You know it, the it's me and Bruce. <laughs> I don't get notifications for it, but I can still see that there are new messages in it, and yeah. I need to make it go away because you're so tempted. Yeah. So I have to like. I tap on it and I look away and then I hit the button in the corner to go back and then I tap on something else. Oh, wow. You actually clear it. Yeah, because I need I was like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want it to be there. (laughs) I don't want to know it's available. I just want to get rid of it. But yeah, so there are book spoilery stuff things being talked about. If you if you wish our show would delve into that a little bit more, um, it it is out there and you can you can chat with uh, Nick and, and some of our other listeners about it. But yeah, uh, the Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. And that's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next season, the next season of Preacher brings. Mm-hmm. But until then, go forth and speak the good word. <laughs>